right. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Jay Toops, the host of the You and Your Business podcast. We are excited to be back and up and running in our podcast this year. Um, today, we have a very special guest. Um, we have Jeff Benton. Uh, and Jeff is... Tell Jeff, everybody tell you the name of your business. What do you? What's the uh, name of your official name of your business? Well, Benton Business Solutions is my own business, Benton, but, I'm, but I'm an EOS implementer. There you go. Yeah. So Benton Business Solutions, and he's an EOS implementer, and you've been doing this how long now? Uh, I've been implementing EOS for, I'm in my 10th year right now. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And he's got a rich history of previous employment um, and everything I know from people that I hear that have been your customers is you've had profound impact on their business. So yeah. we're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to talk about some of the interesting, more interesting customers that you've had. Yeah, you're dang right. Um, and Jeff, to full disclosure, Jeff is a special guest because he is actually the father of Joseph Benton, who has been the producer for our podcast now for the last year. So um, Joseph, you know, begged and pleaded and said his dad needs something to do. So <laughs> um, we invited Jeff on. No, that's, we're just kidding. But um, so we have Jeff here today. Um, we're really excited to have him. Yeah. What we usually like to do, Jeff, to start off is just kind of the who are you? Who's your mom and them? Where'd you from? Where'd you grow up? Sure. Tell me, give, give everybody kind of a background on that. Yeah, well, thank you a bunch. I am, um, and, and thanks for having me too. This is fun. So, uh, originally from Baton Rouge, married a girl and moved to Lafayette. That's how that works. And uh, love Lafayette. Been living here since uh, 97, 98. And, okay. um, and uh, been, so background is, you know, here we have five children now. During that time, I, I started out. Uh, helping my brother start a company called Presonus Audio Electronics. Did okay. that for a few years, um, then went on to doing the small business, you know, kind of the riskier lending type things like mezzanine lending. And we do SBA and USDA and kind of niche stuff. Uh, worked for Iberia Bank, was a commercial lender, went on to be the CFO of a company that made explosion resistant buildings. And that Interesting. Was yeah, that was fun. <clears throat> how did you get, how did you come by going to there? They, they were a, actually they were a customer of the bank. Okay, that's not unusual. Yeah, I mean I see that a lot of times. Somebody trusts who their lender is, and they yeah. see that they really understand their numbers, and they say, "Hey, come work for us." Yeah, sure. That, yeah, that happens often. Yeah. Um, then I went and did uh, something crazy. I did Dale Carnegie training for five years, so helping people with um, really people interesting controlling stress, people skills, communication skills. I think I think uh, the Dale Carnegie program early on probably saved my career. Oh, really? Because they hired a guy in New Orleans when I was, his name, last name was Phillips, when I was probably Joseph age. Okay. And I was a bit strong <laughs> in how I approached things. Mm -hmm. And my boss said, you have potential, but we need to get you some help. I hired this guy. He's going to come coach you. And you're going to all these Dale Carnegie classes. He's teaching them and he's going to come see you twice a month. And you're, you're not going to argue with it. You're going to do yeah. what he says. <laughs> That's yeah. a true story. <laughs> yeah. And he was really, was it really oh my gosh, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It changed, yeah. changed my whole approach to how I do business. Yeah. If there's a, you, you can watch the YouTube Warren Buffett talks <laughs> about Dale Carnegie. He says, the only diploma I have in my office is my, my Dale Carnegie diploma. He says, why? Because it just changed my life. Because he has all these other great degrees and so forth, he said mm -hmm. that one changed my life. Yeah, and so he would review the uh, the Dale Carnegie principles, you know, uh, you know, basic basic of of uh, you know establishing relationships and, and just connecting with people, a smile and use a person's mm -hmm. name and 
you know, all of the uh, make people feel important and do it sincerely, you know. And so he uh, all of those he would review every month. So Warren Buffett. Smart. Yeah, he was smart a smart move. <laughs> but I know a lot of people. I did it for five years, day and night. And I can tell you some crazy stories about it. But I've just seen I saw so many people just shoot their their self-confidence through the roof and just become a, a version of themselves that they would they wanted to become. And it was a good one. And well, so, I'm I'm very thankful to that boss. His name was John Lavalette. Mm-hmm. I doubt that he's listening. I think he's long since retired, but because he forced me to do that really because yeah. i didn't want to do it i'm like i'm not doing all that i'm fine like yeah. no you're not no you're not you need to do this <laughs> yeah. so went to the classes because it was like once a week for six weeks the first time around and yeah then uh paul phillips maybe that was his name yeah um would come in my into my location twice a month like right. clockwork yeah so joseph took the course and all of my kids are required to take the course the 12 that's weeks. awesome yeah you took the course no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> life skills. You learn life skills. Absolutely. It it was it was great. So that's a that's really a good um trans that's had to be a good transition to get you where you are today. It was, yeah. So it was natural. So in, in EOS, I'm just working with the senior leadership teams and I'm helping them implement the entrepreneurial operating system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's it is typically the top, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight people that are on the senior team. And so all the, the communication skills and such that goes with that uh, was was key. And so I already kind of had a client base. So I, did, I was able to start, you know, because I had all these Dale Carnegie clients. I was able to start with the EOS with a big chunk of them. So how'd you meet your wife? Well, a friend of mine, he uh, he he found out that I, my, my other friend says, hey, Jeff should marry that girl. And so my friend goes, OK. And so he says, hey, uh, Jeff. Uh, I mean, he calls Denise, my wife, and says, hey, come over tonight, if you would. We're going to have a little party and come join us. Come join me and my wife and all our friends. Then he calls me and goes, hey, you better get over here. I just invited this girl over to our house. We're, apparently, we're having a party for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you made the smart move of going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, you got and it. And that's all she wrote. Right. I'll drive in from Baton Rouge, whatever it takes. That's great. So y'all met. And how long between the time y'all met and you got married? Uh, we were engaged at three months. We were married at nine. That's exactly what my wife and I did. Really? We well, mine wasn't quite that, like wasn't quite as nice as yours. They my sister set us up on a blind date. There's a whole nother story behind that. But then three months later we were engaged, and you know, nine months later we were married. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It was it was were you older? How old were you? A God thing for us. Um, absolutely it was a God thing. 26. Okay. I was 26. Really? About where I was. Just kind of everybody said, How did you know? I said, I'm old enough to know. I know exactly what I want. She's did. Get out of my way. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. that's pretty cool. That's uh, interesting that we have that in common. Um, so that's great. So and then you got married and y'all stayed living in Baton Rouge or you lived in? No, no, no. But I was meeting back and forth to here until uh, the company uh, Source Capital at the time. They wanted me to open an office up over here. They had bought part of the company that I was working with that we had started. And they said, so I said, sure, I'm going to go You know, be close to home. Okay, cool. So I did that for Three years, three more years, or something like that. What's your favorite thing? I'm gonna take a left turn, which I do often. Um, what's your favorite thing about being an EOS implementer? It's it's just very fulfilling. Uh, you know, when you help a company, you know, turn around. You know, you get basically vision, traction, and healthy. You know, we get the company going. The, the everybody knows where they're going, how they're going to get there. Traction is we instill this process, this meeting pulse, this. 
making sure they keep their their eyes on the numbers and and it almost forces you to run the business well. See, it forces you to, to, to gain traction. You make, make things, changes happen. And then the healthy is the healthy part of where you, you have this vulnerability-based trust, where you say, hey, you're smarter than me at this. Help me out. Where you can say vulnerability-based trust, not performance-based trust. Like, I trust he can get it done or she can get it done. It's vulnerability-based trust to say, hey, I've got a fifth Jack Daniels. In that drawer, I'm about to drink the whole thing because my work life, my business life is in a, is an absolute mess right now. That's vulnerability-based trust. So when you say what's fulfilling about it is when you see that team come together and they can cuss each other out, you know, and drop an F-bomb on each other. And, and then, still care about each other. And, and at, the, at the, you know, it's it's F-bomb here, F-bomb there. Well, you know, and then they, one of them goes, you hungry? Okay, I'm buying. Let's go to lunch. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Because that doesn't always exist everywhere. You just no, can't have it. doesn't exist in many places. But when you see it come together like that, why? Because they're, they're fighting to make the right decision. You know, so they go back and forth. And that's how you make great decisions as you get, you know, open and honest. You have to have, um, have to have some disagreement. Yeah. So, I mean, really, I mean, a lot, I see it in a lot of leaders where they only want people who agree with them. Well, that's a recipe for failure. Absolutely. You have to have people who are willing to disagree with you. Yeah. And one of the first things I told you was, I'm okay if you come and tell me something that you don't like. Right. Mm. It's, 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 I'm talking to Joseph here, but, um, yeah. I see way too many leaders that are just saying everybody has to do what I tell them, and that's all there is to it. That doesn't work. It doesn't. Well, it, it, it may work to a certain point, but you're never going to flourish as an organization and, and extend, grow and expand. You just can't keep doing that. I say never. I'm sure there's some that may have pulled it off with with some you know really strong, negative, mean spirited personalities at the top. But uh, yeah. So um, one of the things Joseph mentioned to me is that you are writing, working on a book, have been working on a book called For Years. My people are cray cray. OK, That's so fine. that <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. what that reminds me of What's that? the series, The Office. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched the I, Rob and I sat down and started watching The Office. I could only get through the first season uh-huh. because I kept saying, I know all these people. <laughs> 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 that's this person at this place. That's this person at this place. That's yeah, yeah. Gus. Oh, I know Gus. Yeah. There's a Gus at every organization. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's you know, I mean, you have to deal with personalities, and it is well, what we have. It, there's no question. And, and it was from a business, you know, working and being in leadership teams and so forth, and then going into uh, and working. I've worked with about 100 companies doing EOS now, and and so. I was talking with one of my clients and, and I said, my people, there's something about this topic. It's my people. And he goes, are cray cray? I was like, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact is, is everybody's cray. Absolutely. And it, and it has a, it has an origin. And so in the book, we talk about where it comes from and, and you say, well, what is cray cray? And, and um, like, if you, you looked at some of the, the, the characteristics, which people do, you know, someone angers easily and often, you know, uh, they, they criticize, condemn, complain constantly. They're passive aggressive. They gossip. They, uh, they vacuum the energy out of the room. You know, they create chaos. Um, they have a victim mindset. There's just all kinds. And that can go on and on. And, on. and you're saying that. And I promise you, all of our listeners are naming people they work with. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, absolutely. They are. Yeah. Because you could see that. Right. Yeah. But in, in regards to that, though, you know, psychology. You know, it's like, no, you can't talk about that in, in business. And it's starting to kind of creep in there now. 
you know, positive intelligence and, and, uh, and all the different books now that are, that are, that are, they're moving into business, which is wonderful. It's beautiful. But historically, I mean, it was 1500 years before Christ when, what's his name? Ebers Papyrus. It, it was in, yeah, 1550 before Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was figuring out depression. He was already figuring out things. But in, and as we go through this, the whole world, we spend most of our time at work, but we don't talk about right. cray cray. We don't talk about being crazy and, and so forth and where that comes from. And it's, and it's, you know, it's all very normal and logical. You know, every one of those, those outbursts came from someplace, you know, and that if you have, if you're empathetic, when you look at, you know, where did that come from? You know, where could it be coming from? Then you're not so you don't respond in a negative way or you don't get offended. Mm-hmm. You can listen and learn and be what you can actually be more caring to that person. Yeah. More compassion, right? Yeah. Compassion. Everybody has a history, right? We all have a history. Some of it's good. Some of it's really bad. So, and all of those, we look at um, the people we're talking to and the people we're working with. And we look at our future through that lens of our history. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what I'm hearing you say. Indeed. That's exactly. And it. so in your business, what you do. If you want to help them have success, right? Mm-hmm. You have to help. You have to come to understand that history too, to a bit. I would think. Yeah, yeah, and be be aware and un- kind of understand the basics. You know, nobody. I say this. Nobody grows up, you know, or is young and is running around and says, "Hey, you know what? I want to be when I grow up. I want to be an ass." You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there might be one or two. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It's like we can. Uh, uh, my coach at school, we can model after him, or you know, my uncle, or that person down at the. You know, you know. There's. Yeah, I just want to be like, just like that um, coach that curses me out every time I walk on the field. <laughs> yes, that's who I want to be. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you say, well, where does it all come from? And I call it the Big Five, because. And, and I'm sure you can add more to it, but if you if you just kind of say where where is the big five things that make up who we are, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, so the physiological. I'm going to take an easy physiological. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you got super drunk last night, it's going to affect you today. So when you're in you're with a, an employee, coworker, whoever it is, a spouse, then that's going to have some effect on who they are that mm-hmm. right? So physiological. Now, if you got chemo, if you're COVID, so, right. it all ties in together. And so the second thing is the brain design. And so if you've ever done any of the personality profiles. All the know, time. Love Colby, them. DISC, yep. Myers-Briggs, Predictive Index, Culture Index. And, you know, it all basically shows that, hey, we're just designed a certain way. And so that may, that, that'll that affect who we are. So now you got physiological and you've got that. Uh, the third thing is events. If you found out yesterday that you're, nephew has cancer or your spouse has cancer or something like that. That's an event. Or you got in a fight with somebody or you lost your job or you whatever. And so now you've got these three components who's making up who we are at that moment. Then you've got trauma. Now this is a more deeper one is that when we grow up, if somebody was abused, if somebody was um, had a traumatic experience, a loss of a parent, you know, or something, something that was big, they they will often carry that through life. They carry it with them through all life. their life, huh? all their life, all their life. It's not going to be just a short term yeah. thing, right? But how they carry it's different. So if it's not tended to through you know going to uh, to therapy and that kind of stuff and reading books and taking medicine, whatever it takes, you know, it it, it affects them in a more negative way. Like if someone has low self esteem, right? 
you know, you say, well, where does that come from? Well, their parents never listened to them or talked to them. They were covertly abandoned, meaning that they were in the in the house, but they never really tended mm-hmm. to their kids very well. So those are all trauma type things. And then the last thing is family of origin. So um, family of origin means who and where and how you're raised. So if you're raised in Japan, very different than being, being raised in my movie, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I would think significantly different. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, then your whole world perspective, well, with the physiological, the brain design, the events, the trauma, and the family of origin, well, hell yeah, we're cray cray, you know? Right. Because you got this mix and nobody's nobody's got the same mix. And so when you're in that business world and someone does something freaky, you know, like you're like, whoa, why did they explode like that? You know, and you're mindful that, hey, there's this five. There's something there. Yeah. And and what is what is it? And so that that's such a key component of managing and what I I call the uh, with the L factor. And so what's the L factor? Well, in business, never, ever, they don't allow you to use the word love, right? Okay, but, and when you talk about the the L factor, um, let me tell you about Alan Mulally. And I saw him speak. Alan Mulally uh, turned around. He he was the CEO of uh, Boeing, and he turned around Ford when Ford was uh, losing a bunch of money, like billions, right? And so, he, they asked him to come over and says, hey, we need you to take come over and turn him forward. And so um, he did. And and Alan, he's speaking to this group of people. I went to this this uh, event and he was speaking and he said he talks about what his mother taught him every day, every day. And he says, mother said this. Um, the purpose in life is to love and be loved in that order. Right. Is to serve uh, to serve is to live. And it's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. It's all she taught him every day, every day. And, and this, this is how I That's, remember this. That is wisdom. Yeah. It's true wisdom. Yeah. And so he he tells the story about going. Um, he was driving up to Ford in a, a small Ford car that was economy friendly kind of thing. And he's driving. I don't know how many hours he was driving in. And he gets there and he. uh he saw that everybody, all the other Ford executives were driving all these other brands. And so, so that's interesting. That's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> and actually, some of them may have been owned by Ford, like Range Rover or, or some of them at the time. I'm not sure. And so then he goes, so he says, okay, we got a culture event here. And so then he goes into the um, the first meeting and um, they have red, green, and yellow for all of their their numbers, their performance, their K- KPIs, their performance indicators. Mm-hmm. And if it's green, if crop is good, yellow's worrisome, and then red's not doing well. And so he's sitting in the group, and they're all looking at the screen. And he says, "Uh, he's looking, and they're all green. Hmm. You're all green." And so they kind of go through it, and everybody's explaining their numbers. Yeah, this number. He says, "Gentlemen, he said, did y'all know that we're going to lose about seventeen billion dollars this year? Shouldn't there be something up there that's not green?" <laughs> that's a very relative question <laughs> so he um and this this i'll tie it all together in here a second but he but the other thing he said is um he he went and talked to one of his one of the uh team members senior team members and he says tell me about that number do you think it should be green he says no i think we should move it to yellow and so he went into the next you know executive meeting and he's sitting down and okay does anybody have any changes to the to the number 
Well, he decided to sit right next to the guy who said he's going to downgrade his number. And he, he's like, uh, and this is how I remember the story. You can, it's probably in his book. But so he goes, yeah, I'm going to change mine to, to yellow. And, and Mulally was like, yes, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty. Yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. OK. Yeah, yeah. But I, was th- I was picturing him saying, yes, we suck at that. Let's clap. Yeah. Right. Everybody clap. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get people to face reality. <laughs> it's really Right. Yeah. I mean, don't you see that in your business? It's really hard to get people to face the reality of right. their past decisions. That, the big five. The Craig. Yeah. Five. And it, and, it, and it comes from their perspective and so forth. Yeah. But in that. So here, let me tell you that this is kind of caps off the story, though. He says he would be in that executive meeting and somebody would be doing something that they they're acting a certain way or say something that they they shouldn't. And so he would follow them back to their office. And this is the key piece. And he'd say, hey, can you stop doing that? And I think I recall he's the response was something like this. Listen, I'm successful. This is the way I've always communicated. Or this is the way I've always done. It's always worked for me. And, uh, and and Alan Lally said, uh, "Okay, here's the deal." He says, "If you can't stop doing that, it just means you can't work here. But this is what's real important. It doesn't mean that I don't love you as a person, <laughs> right?" That's pretty awesome. So the L factor, right? And so he literally made. He had um, in 2006, he gave a speech to 4,000 Ford employees, um, corporate workers, and car dealers, and he made all of the. I forget one aspect, all of the Ford people face the car dealerships and say, I love you. Like he made them do it. Right. Wow. And so so to think that that um, it's not a, a huge component of a successful business. And so. Well, in it, it reality is, is and what you're saying was I hear is, you know, we're asked to bring our values into what we do. Right. Right. And so love one another, right? right? Should be part of those values. It should be. Mm-hmm. And if we had more of that, a lot of businesses would probably run a lot better. I mean, I've worked for some people who were extraordinarily toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made you want to run from them. Yeah. And in, the rea- in reality, you see the people that are working in those environments, they end up working against each other. So they don't end up working with each other. They end up working right. because of the toxic environment, right? Yeah. It, it, and with that said, you made me think something. It's it's part of being a highly functional, emotionally healthy adult is that love component, because in love, there's humility, there's care, there's concern. And I, I always joke about this and say, if you want, there's a lot of books on the highly functional, emotionally healthy adult. Just go into the library and look in the fiction section. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. OK, where, where do you find them? <laughs> because we do all have. I mean, I like the way you put it. We all have, we're all a little bit great, gray. Some of them yeah. more than others, right? Yeah. Um, we all have our family of origin issues, whether yeah. you like it or not. Sorry, Joseph. Um, we all have <laughs> family. He's dad's in the room. I mean, yeah. that's okay. I should be saying I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll give you a chance to do that later. But <laughs> we all have our family of origins issues. Um, my wife and I've talked about this a lot, and I see it in, in the workplace a lot. Um, we're seeing more what we would call deep woundedness in the workplace today. Yeah. Than we probably have 20 years ago. Yeah. So there, there's a understanding this concept of treating people with love, treating people with compassion. Yeah. And but still, what I hear here is not just treating with love and compassion, but also holding them accountable. Absolutely. Because accountability is a part of love. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't let you just run them up. Right. Right. I mean, that's why you live part of your life grounded. Um, <laughs> because because of out of love, right? Yeah. So um and it's with, interesting. With even with the um 
a church, you know, I've helped some, some uh, Catholic churches implement EOS and we teach them about, you know, you got to have the right people that are just that, that fit the core values that understand that, you know, core values like for our core values is, is uh, EOS worldwide is to help first to do what you say, meaning help ex- with expecting nothing in return. Do what you say, do the right thing, you know, um, and it goes on, grow or die, you know. And so when it comes to the core values, we push that in the organization in a sense that every company needs to at least define, hey, if you want to come work with us, you need to share these core values. If you look at a church environment, like any church in the world, it's got that church lady, right, who mm-hmm. angers, you know, someone wants to get married. She makes it a horrible experience for them. She's angry. She does, you know, she runs off the parishioners. I'm like, well, what's the loving thing to do in that in that situation? Where the loving thing to do is to not keep her there, right? Because she's making everybody else miserable. Right. But the loving thing to do is coach her up and say, hey, love you. If you keep doing this, this doesn't work. It's causing all these other issues. And here's three examples, right? Boom, boom, boom. Can you stop doing that? You give them a chance, you know, and, and see if they if, if they can change. A lot of times they, they start that process. It takes a little while to change something that's been there forever. Well, because most of the time nobody's held them accountable for it. Yeah. And that's in any workplace. We all see that. Whether exactly. it's the church or not, nobody. This person, I had a customer one time, and this is a true story. Um, this particular individual had been at the company for thirty-five years. Um, he was in charge of customer service. Mm. He hated people. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> in charge of customer service for this major company, um, and so I, they hired me to come in and kind of fix that stuff. And after about six months, I sat down with him and said, "I just don't understand." I'm giving you all the really, it's not hard stuff to do. It's just basically being nice. Yeah. And he said, well, yeah, you don't get it. I said, why? He said, I hate people. <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> so I went back to the CEO and said, so how long has he been like this? <laughs> well, he's been with us for 35 years, 34 years. Uh, I said, well, he's been out of place for 34 years. This man has been going home and kicking his dog and yelling at his wife for 34 yeah. years. The fault is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put him where he'll be happy. Yeah. And ultimately, they moved him into an accounting job where he didn't talk to people. Right. And the man lost 40 pounds and was <laughs> and was smiling and happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it really rings, what you're saying really rings true in yeah. that, you know, you're doing the person who's, in that case, toxic, a disservice and actually an unkindness by not addressing the issue. Absolutely. And not just calling it, you want to do it as soon as you can. So that, yeah, 34 so. years is too long. And as I'm saying this, I'm sure the CEO that we work with is listening to me because he's going to say, yeah, I did that. <laughs> well, he's not alone. No, it it's, 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 it's endemic. You see it yeah. all the time because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. Well, and, or I love that. No, I, I love that. I love that. They're too, too important. I said, well, they've been with us for 35 years. We just love who they are. I mean, but they're destroying your business. Right. Right. And you know, and they're the not happy people. and they're not happy. Yeah. Right. So there's um, we say right person, right seat. And you've probably seen it in many books, but the right person has shares a core values. Right seat just means they're good at that job. Right. So customer service, for example, they just have a natural God given talent to do that. So they they thrive. And we say if you put the right person, somebody who has a great attitude in the wrong seat, eventually they will become the wrong person. Correct. too. Right. Right. And it, it, it with any of us, it's not just like just them. And so my my the bad joke that I tell is, hey, come work for us, 
Um, we looked at your resume. Remember, that's half the picture. So it looks like they mm-hmm. can do the job well, but maybe not. We looked at your resume and uh, we're going to put you in a job that you're not very good at. Okay. And um, you're going to get angry during the day and probably go home tired, maybe yell at your kids a little bit more often. Maybe even get that divorce you've been thinking about. And then after three years, we're going to fire you because you're so bad at what you do. It's a bad joke because but it happens it's, every but it's so day. true. Happens all the time. Absolutely, it's true. Instead of saying, let me be loving this person. If we have another seat, let's try another seat. But if they're the wrong person, they have the wrong attitude, they're just poisoning the system, you're going to have to make that loving decision and say, hey, this isn't the spot. Right. You know, it, we're just not a good fit for each other, at, at least in the, in the organization. So, okay, so here's um, you might be cray cray. You remember, you might be a redneck by uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Foxworthy. Okay. Is Jeff Fox rating a Joseph, don't acknowledge if I'm crazy. I just want you to know. <laughs> okay, this is this is in the business world. How's he go? Uh, if you've ever had someone bring a beer to the interview, he might be a little cray cray. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if the interviewee thinks the stock market has a fence around it, he might be a cray cray. I got one. I got two more. <laughs> if the interviewee was dropped off the interview by the parole officer. And here's the last one. Okay. If the person you were interviewing picks their teeth by taking them out of their mouth, (laughs) (laughs) you might be cray cray. And you know, we laugh, but in reality, we see versions of that, right? (laughs) You know, we were we were interviewing for a person at a job. This was so long ago. And the lady came to the interview basically dressed to go to a formal dinner yeah like in a long gown wow and i went wow interesting (laughs) not sure that you understood what you were coming interview for (laughs) and she was very polite at the end we both said yeah i'm thinking there's something not right there you're right right i mean red and everything yeah I still remember it. <laughs> you know, so yeah, we all see. And the, so the other thing that I hear out of that is too, not just out of the jokes, but that interview process, if done right, can un- identify the people that don't fit. Right. And so in the questioning, so you're going to have questions of, can they do the job? Do they have the skills to do it? That's the right seat, right person. You, you, you're you going to ask questions that might reveal that. So you have to ask some uh, my friend once said, he says, I was interviewing this person and we want everybody to be very transparent and real and just, just easily blend in. And he says, I said, what, what, so what do you do for fun? She goes, um, well, I like to scuba dive. Really? I like to scuba dive. And he says, where, you know, where do you go? Or when's the, well, I haven't been in four years and it kind of triggered it. Right. And so, oh, here's one that, that, um, Patrick Lencioni would say, he said, um, he's, he's just asking questions. Can't really get a feel for this candidate. And then he goes, would your wife characterize you or describe you as somebody who holds a grudge? Yeah. And and he and he immediately goes, Oh yeah, she would definitely say that. And Lenciani goes, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The interview is over. <laughs> so the tenacity to get the people component right in business is, is and a lot of people just fill bodies to fill bodies mm-hmm. and because they need a spot. And that's just mm-hmm. and even when they hold on to people that are you see this. They hold on to people that are really the wrong fit. Right. Don't want to move into the other spot because they don't want to open a spot. Right. 
that's yeah that's just as bad yeah we terrorist it's it, if you have somebody for example um Let's say they, they have a lot of relationships with the clients, but let's say they don't meet, meet your core values. They're not, not honest. They lie to cl- customers. They lie to you. They don't work hard, whatever it is. But you're like, well, I can't fire them. Why? Because they, they have this relationship with all these clients that have ours, right? Terrorism. That's terrorism, right? Because they can't, I can't fire them, but they're running off all of our good people, our good staff members. And so, and when a company, when they stop and they go, hold on, that, that person does fall in that terrorist category. We're going to let them go. And then typically people are all thanking you. And and people fill those gaps real quickly. Right. And they don't really lose the customers Mm -hmm. because those customers know they're terrorists. They don't really have the relationship. Right. It might be a relationship based on fear. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great point because they're they're, even the customers are the same thing. I've seen that with um, CEOs where I've sat down and said, this guy is toxic. He's hollering and screaming at the people that work for you. He's cursing them out. You need to deal with them. And they've said that exact response. Well, they they control fifty million dollars worth of business, or, right, uh, right. and my response is always, when they leave or when you fire them, all the people under them will be thankful, and they will fill the gaps and do better yeah. than when they were here. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just it's, yeah. it's terrorism because this person over here is basically intimidating, right? All these people, but also the CEO to an extent, yeah, right. It's interesting. But back to the, the big five of why we're crazy. Mm-hmm. So that person, who knows what kind of history that person had. Mm-hmm. And there's not like, once again, he's like, I'm going to try to be, the, the, you know, try to cause chaos in this organization. It no, from it's somewhere. just who it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so then there's that, that empathetic, you don't tolerate the mediocrity, but at the same time, you still love the person. Right. right. And so there's that, it goes back and forth. But there's two things on the, um, and I don't know where our time is. Here, no, keep going. There's two components or two things about that as a leader it is is being un, uh, able to understand does it come from a healthy place so you're you're working with somebody it could be a coworker it could be a, a you know a leadership team member it could be a subordinate it could be anybody it can even be a you know vendor and say okay we're trying to we're kind of we're working through this issue but is their reasoning coming from a healthy place so you can say one person just argues to be right why? Because they have low self-esteem because of something that happened in their past. Instead of just arguing to find out what the right solution is, mm-hmm. right? So how does one identify that? Um, well, most thing you can do is is awareness and then asking questions, right? Is is being aware as it coming? And, and you sometimes it'll most of the time it'll pop up. I say most of the time. Somebody didn't want to hire a. Uh, let's just say it's. They really, it's a visionary, we call it, the, uh, or the CEO really needs to hire a president that's going to run the whole organization. Because as a CEO, is great with base the company, big relationships and growing, you know, the business overall, but he needs somebody that's going to work the details. So you had um, Walt Disney and you had, I think his brother Roy, right? Walt Disney wouldn't have done anything without Roy. So there's a situation where everybody in the leadership team says, hey, we need you to hire a Roy for our company, right? And just won't do it and won't do it. And so you have to listen. So what's the real reason that the that the CEO doesn't want to hire this person? And you kind of listen and you realize, oh, they almost went out of business five years ago. He had a trauma experience there. He doesn't want to spend the money. He doesn't want to, he says, but he wants to grow this business like crazy, but he doesn't want to do that. And so then then you can you can then, work them through it. Yeah. Then you could say it could, you know, and you have to, sometimes you have to guess. 
Like, what's your biggest fear? But you come straight out. What's your biggest fear? Like, we're going to have to spend some money. Yeah. What's the biggest fear? Well, might not work out. Okay. Might not work out. Meaning we would have spent some money and we would have gone. We would have taken the risk and invested a little money. You know, you, you kind of have them work through. And sometimes it takes time to get them worked through. So does it come from a healthy place? It can be anywhere in the office. Because if we're, if we're all a little cray-cray, sometimes that cray comes out and controls us. And then the other thing is about boundaries. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this wasn't taught in K through eighth, kindergarten and college, you know, and high school is the, the boundary concept. And it was explained to me one time. Um, and said, so let's just say a hypothetical situation. My wife comes at me and says, comes home and says, Jeff, you idiot. You didn't take out the trash the third week in a row. Okay. Similar things may have happened, but this specific thing did not happen. Okay. <laughs> this is a hypothetical situation. Because it would have smelled really bad with five kids. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of diapers wrapped up in that garbage. So imagine she takes that shing, that dagger out, that knife out, and starts throwing it at me. And if if I don't have some type of invisible protection, just, just visualize this, around me to slow down the knife and allow me to catch it and look at it it's going to go right into my heart, right? And if it goes, if it hits me there and I don't have good boundaries, then I'll typically do one of two things. I'll go one up and say, hey, I'm an idiot. Let me tell you what you are, okay? Or I'll go one down and go, I'm such an idiot. My whole life is a mess. I can't keep anything right, right? It's kind of a depression self, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as opposed to catching the knife and saying, okay, idiot part, I'm going to throw that out. You know, because your boundary slowed it down, you're able to slow it. And that's it. a different look at boundaries than what you hear common today. I like yeah. that view. Yeah. And so you, you you look at it and say, okay, I'm not an idiot. Take out the trash. Have mercy. How did I mess that up? Okay. But then you can go back to, in this case, my wife, but it could be a coworker, whoever, and say, hey, you're 100% correct. I don't know what's going on in the way I'm organizing my life, but I've forgotten three times. That's not right. Please don't ever call me an idiot again because that didn't feel good at all. All right. But what you didn't do is go one up or one down. Right. You didn't shut down or you didn't start yelling or. Yeah. So for a manager, understanding we all have our own cray cray for managing somebody, we got to be aware of that and then have great boundaries. So you can, if someone says something weird, it's like, okay, I'm not going to get offended. I'm just going to listen to find out what's going on, the real, the real thing here. And then as a coworker and so forth, we need great boundaries, you know, in any relationship. I think it sounds like um, being able to that view of boundaries, which I really like, because a lot of people will say boundaries are you set up the boundaries. You don't allow people to cross into them, which in this case, you're actually allowing people, this person to cross into them a bit. But you're setting the boundaries on your response. Mm-hmm. Right. And responding in a way that still sets up that outside boundary. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting approach. I like that. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Is that am I saying? Yeah, that yeah, right? yeah. 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 One one other example of this is um, I was working with a, a hospital when I was doing Dale Carnegie and um, that somebody was about to go into surgery and the husband was waiting on the wife. The husband says, let me go run out to the car and get something. They've been there hours waiting. Let me go some of the car and get something. He comes back in and his wife's gone. Daryl brought her back to surgery. So he starts freaking out. Well, one of the nurses there happened to know him and she walks out and says, how you doing? And he freaks out on her. Let me tell you, you know, he's all upset. 
But with great boundaries, she just stopped and listened and listened and listened. You know, she didn't get flustered. She didn't get defensive. She didn't get, you know, if he was calling her names, didn't matter. You know, right. And then he, and then he just softly says, OK, let's let's figure this out. I'm going to go back and find out exactly where it's going. I'm going to try to get you back there. Right. And so she just stayed in that zone. Right. Which is the zone that we should spend our entire life. In, right. Mm-hmm. That that zone of that highly functional, healthy, emotionally healthy adult. You know, if, if only we didn't have the family of origins and the wounds to deal with. That's right. <laughs> that messes it up big time. That. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that is kind of part of the finger. But also, like you said, we've got to deal with I mean, everybody has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So this does give a pretty good framework for us in the workplace to deal with those things. Right. So give me a little bit more about your Cray Cray book, and then we're going to have to kind of start rolling out. Yeah, sure. Well, that's it. it it's it's understanding and giving examples of, of what the L factor is, specific examples. In this situation, this is how this person is. Right. In this situation. But uh, but also trying to, to get the, uh, the whole world. Uh, and, and let me just, uh, you made me think of this, is the people, like, there's certain, like, surveys in hospitality where they're just loving people all day. Hey, what can I get for you? Is there something, you know, mm-hmm. let me, they're anticipating needs or so forth. Those people, when you do the surveys, they're happier than the average person. Why? Because they're being loving all day. Right. And they're, a child can't even develop into being a functional human being without love. If they're not held. Mm-hmm. Right. Call and, it not thriving today. Yeah. Right. And now I'm talking about like some of them can't even talk. Right. Right. If you looked at the studies and so forth. And so. And, uh, and don't quote me on that. I, I remember I was going from a study from way back when they were talking about it. And so if it's not just totally ingrained into our being, why in the world wouldn't we, we bring it up, at least have it as a topic or make you proactive about it in a business? Mm-hmm. And, and here's an example. Your favorite, what's the most successful fast food restaurant in America? Let's just say Chick-fil-A. Good answer. Okay, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I'm okay. sure it is. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, and I read an article, and I'm assuming this is true, makes more money than a Starbucks, a McDonald's, and a Subway combined. That's why they have Her three Chick Fil A's in Lafayette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. not easy. So if you looked at them, but what is it? Well, the, the the product's good. They have a good product mix and so forth. But what makes them different? The yeah. L factor, right? Because I've I've interviewed the some of uh, one of the um, the managers, and I met the president of the organization. And when I met the president, it was at that same function I attended, and uh, I said, "Hey, I just want to say hello and take a picture." And and he goes, uh, he says, oh, yeah, I'd love to meet you. She come over. He goes, hold on one second. And there was a boy working for Chick-fil-A at the local franchise area or with the local territory that he hadn't met. And he was 16 years old. He was absolutely on at the bottom of the totem pole at Chick-fil-A. He about knocked me over to go say hello to that boy and find out who he was. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's the L factor, right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of it's, um, I mean, it's really coming at. hmm the business from a Christian worldview, mm-hmm. right? That we treat people with love and kindness and, and respect. And when you yeah. come at it from that standpoint, it allows you to sort through the cray cray. Right. Right. Because we all have it. I mean, we all have a little bit, except for you, Joseph. You're not crazy at all <laughs> since your dad's <laughs> in the room. <laughs> um, but we all have some of that. And yeah. so until if if we don't learn to recognize it and have compassion and love for other people, how can we even deal with it ourselves? Amen. You know, and become a better leader and a better manager. 
it's a um and i'm glad you said that because this 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 will cap it off it's a mindset it's a proactive mindset mm-hmm. and like even coming in here today is how am i going to be loving to these people on you know out there and on in the world and to you guys in here if the mindset is loving towards you then i'm not worried about you know i'm not trying to be on stage like in this type of yeah. setting and that and I'm, I'm being more focused on the other person and all of a sudden when you focus on the other person you're not focused on all the things that are stressing you out it's it's like a god designed it, thing it gives you <laughs> such a grand sense of peace yeah and somebody asked me this exactly. week, well, how do you know that's what you're supposed to do you know i said well if that's what god wants us to do we're gonna have peace yeah yeah. As simple as that. Once you make the decision, Amen. peace comes, everything else flows. Yeah. Amen. I mean, when you treat your, your coworkers and the people that work for you with that great sense of love and kindness and compassion, even though you can still hold them accountable. And I think that's an important note in this whole conversation today is that accountability is love. Yeah. You know, absolutely. now how you do it yeah. has to demonstrate the love. You can't, I can't go to Joseph's office and say, you are a complete idiot. You have totally screwed this up. Yeah, that wouldn't go over too well, would it, Joseph? Yeah, <laughs> but I can go to him and say, "Hey, look, this is a mistake. I know you do a great job here. I really I appreciate everything you do. This is, and usually it's this isn't a big deal. Just just deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows people to accept the accountability. Absolutely. It's yeah, we don't cool. we don't tolerate mediocrity. So, how yeah. much longer are you gonna work on this book if it's ten years? I don't know. I, I, I think I'm going to do some things like this and give a few talks, see if I can get my head around it, and I'll put it. It's going to be a short book. I'm not. I don't want anything too long. No, no. It's and I. I think most people won't read today. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of books on my shelf that were long business-based books, and I get the first and half chapter and half in. I'm like, oh, I'm move on. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have so much. We have so much. Um, I don't know. I want to call it stuff, but there's so much that comes at us today in our business world, and yeah. people are trying to do more with less, and they're trying to do more than survive. They're trying to thrive. So um, I think a short would be better. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be a great book once it's done. <laughs> you know, I mean, just don't wait Thanks. another ten years. <laughs> it's been ten years. <laughs> so um, other, we we always like to veer off at the end, and since we are started our podcast with old fashions, I think we know. Your alcohol of choice. We usually ask everybody that. Alcohol of choice is? Oh, it's definitely an old-fashioned. It's a, a, a bullet rye old-fashioned. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> we just did in our newsletter, and you may not like this one because you like prefer less sweet, but we just did in our newsletter a blueberry old-fashioned, right? That's right. It's coming up. I'm coming up in our newsletter yeah. this past week, a blueberry old-fashioned. So. Nice. Yes. we have. You say you could probably be heard. Talk loud enough about the margarita. Uh, it was a margarita with Añejo tequila, mm-hmm. some Grand Marnier, some cilantro, a slice of jalapeno, a little bit of agave simple syrup over ice. Delicious. So sweet with a spicy kick. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. And I've never put Grand, Grand Marnier in a margarita. Now, I have a friend of mine whose wife, her favorite drink is Grand Marnier, so I might have to make that margarita for her. <laughs> I have a bottle of Grand Meunier at the house specifically for her because she has her like go-to alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Um, so bourbon is your so old-fashioned. I love an old-fashioned. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. I don't know, and you can do so many different versions of it, mm-hmm. which is fun. Um, yeah, I'm, it's the same drink that Jesus drank when he was on absolutely. The- <laughs> I think there wasn't wine in those bottles and those two barrels. I think it was yeah. bourbon. <laughs> That's a Gaffigan joke, by the way. <laughs> um. Uh, favorite food? Oh, favorite food? Oh, combo by, by far. Which kind? Chicken and sausage, turkey sausage, seafood, 
seafood. Seafood. Do you do you like a filet or okra? I don't like okra. No. Okay. So you're filet gumbo guys. It's a little too slimy. Yeah. New Orleans is an okra. I I grew up with it now, but it's a little slimy. (laughs) (laughs) The the trick is, is you have to cook that okra a really, really long, 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 long time. We'll do the okra, and it'll cook for two hours mm-hmm. to take all the sliminess out of it yeah. that's the only way people and people who don't know gumbo they like slimy what are they talking about yeah okra <laughs> okra just makes it kind of yeah yeah it's just got that yeah you can't see my face to make the face but you know y'all are making that face right? yeah yeah it's like it's you like, poured liquid soap into it <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> so you really have to get have to be able to cook out that good favorite dessert oh probably um an oreo cream pie that Ooh. I had when I was a child in Yellowstone. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to give Denise a copy of this so she can fulfill yeah. that. Yeah. Oreo cream pie. <laughs> Favorite thing to do in your free time? Uh, to spend time with the family going fishing. Awesome. Fishing yeah. and hunting. That's great. That's great. Um, what's the future look like for you? Oh, I think I'm going to do uh, EOS until I die. It's just too fulfilling and uh, wonderful. But um and then, and then I'm going to do this book. And if it works, I'm going to do more talks and try to spread the word. Good. And I think that's what. I love it. It's a good word. The L word. The it's L. a good word uh-huh. to spread. It's contagious. Yeah. I think people will um, catch on to it. And you can, you know, uh, my wife and I have talked about in our business how we spread our own Christian values without having to say, yeah. this is our Christian values. Well, L, everybody understands love. Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, under, everybody understands treating people with love. Mm-hmm. Um, and but also. I, like I come back to it just really has impacted me in that, you know, accountability is part of that love, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it all is, it's, you can't allow somebody like the church lady. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not loving to allow her to be miserable. Right. It's and true. make everybody else miserable around her. Yeah. So your goal is to make, to help her become happy, mm-hmm. um, which means sometimes people are in the wrong job. Yeah. Well, okay. Jeff, I want to thank you for um, reaching out, coming in with us today. So for our audience, yeah. We always like to give you a last minute advertisement. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, if you're ever interested in, in EOS or finding out more about that, or even if you need a, a talk or something about the topics, we, we, we my people at Craig Ray, that topic, I'm happy to do so. Uh, just call me 337-654-6548. Repeat the number for me slower. 337-654-6548. Awesome. 6548. That's easy. to I like how you say that too. A little inflection. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been great fun. Um, I have surely enjoyed our old fashions, if not anything else. (laughs) Um, Joseph, thanks for jumping in every once in a while when I put you on the spot. Um, Jeff, hopefully we'll have you back again one day. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you. 